If you're listening to this podcast, it means you're ready, no, more than ready, to have a major breakthrough in your restaurant. You're hungry for change and you're hungry for growth. That's why you're feeding your mind right now with all of this valuable information. But to drive those changes, you need to be really smart about what you're doing and to make the right choices before you take action. You need help from someone who's been there, someone to coach you through it, even just someone to help you look at your restaurant differently. That's what restaurant coaching is designed to do. Working with a professional coach will grow your business exponentially. Donald Burns, the restaurant coach, is offering a free one-on-one business strategy session for listeners of this podcast. That's right, a one-on-one session with the restaurant coach himself, a $500 value. It's completely free, no strings attached. Just go to therestaurantcoach.com to book your session today. Loading in three, two, one. Welcome to the Restaurant Coach Podcast. It's the cure for the common restaurant. Expert interviews, tools, and tips to get you the restaurant you know it can be. Now, here is your host, Donald Burns, the Restaurant Coach. And welcome to the Restaurant Coach Podcast. It is the cure for the common restaurant. Now, there are certain things that successful restaurants do on a habitual basis that allow them to grow their brand in profits year after year. One of those things is being able to adapt to an ever-changing market. You can be blind to thinking that what worked last year is going to work this year. Fads come and go. Trends stay around for maybe, maybe a year. Marketing is a roller coaster of change. One week, you have a new platform called Clubhouse, and then TikTok is all the rage, and now YouTube Shorts are the hot new spot to be on. If you're not adapting your business model on a regular basis, you're going to soon find yourself displaced by a more innovative brand out there. Even the Restaurant Coach brand has changed over the last 20 years. At first, I used to do, I just did consulting, and I really became disillusioned and disappointed that I would give people the tools they needed to succeed and then they did not use them. Then the recession of 2008 hit and my consulting business, I mean, basically crashed and took a dump. I hired a business coach back then and he took me through this kind of coaching process map. I looked around in the internet back on 2008 and nobody I mean, no one was calling themselves a restaurant coach back then. So I got certified as an executive coach and I launched the restaurant coach brand in 2009. At first, it was mostly, I'll say, when I first started coaching, it was mostly one-on-one coaching with owners and their teams. And then I quickly learned that coaching was more powerful and impactful if I focused on creating change in the owner's mindsets. I was traveling a lot back then especially during those first couple years. And I found myself getting requests for more and more training videos on how an owner could learn how to work more on their business and less in their restaurant. And that's when that a restaurant accelerator program was born. Then to 2020, what do you think happened? COVID shut the world down. And I reopened my restaurant mastermind groups doing two weekly Zoom calls And then I soon realized I had over 400 hours of workshops and training recorded. So I opened back up my Restaurant Coach University as a 24-7 platform for online learning and live group coaching just a couple times a month. I tell you, it's been a roller coaster ride since 2008. It's been crazy. You know, as markets change, we must change. 
I also have some new programs I'm launching this year for that kind of next level of learning for restaurant owners. One is called Restaurant Empire Builder for independent restaurants that want to grow and scale into multiple seven-figure brands and build their profits to a million dollar a year in just pure profits. I've done it with a handful of private coaching clients, and I'm going to be launching that one in 2020. So you have to be creative, and you have to keep pushing the edge, or you're going to fall back into complacency. And what happens when you fall back into complacency, that invites mediocrity. And mediocrity is the slow death of your restaurant. So my guest today knows how to keep reinventing himself and his brands. Bruce Irving is the founder and the host of Smart Pizza Marketing. He has multiple mastermind groups that he runs for pizza restaurant owners. And he also decided to launch a travel agency. And this is the crazy thing. He launched a travel agency without really having any real knowledge or experience in that segment. And that brand's going to do over $3 million in revenue this year. Bruce is my go-to resource for anything related to restaurant marketing and trends. So let's jump in the studio and join the conversation. You speak at the one in, in Orlando? No. Oh. Do you want hey, to? Hey, welcome to the Restaurant Coach Podcast. Oh. It is here for the common restaurant. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, I'm Donald Burns. This is Bruce Irving better known as Mr. Smart Pizza Marketing himself. We were just talking. He didn't know I hit the record button, but we were just talking about some of the food shows and stuff going around the country. And that kind of brings me up to a topic. I really think that now I've been going lately, like I head out tomorrow. I fly to uh, Malaga, Spain. I'm speaking at a conference called Salon H&T. And then I go back in March to Hospitality Innovation Planet and speak. And I'll tell you, and people go, why do you why do you like go all the way around the world to speak? Just because man, the shows are so amazing in Europe. They're just are like they really? the content is incredible. The just the way the speakers are incredible. They have so many speakers, and they're just it just it's almost like they have huge stages, and it's like it's like a huge presentation, and they're all about they're really driven on the educating and learning. So it's like you go, it's it's like amazing. It's almost like a rock concert. It's really cool. I love going, especially Hospitality Innovation Planet. Those people run like probably one of the best shows in the world. I, this will be my sixth year going back to to they call it HIP. Yeah. And I tell you, man, it That's is fantastic. like, it's awesome. It's awesome. And I think the shows the United States have gotten, I don't know, what, did, what's, what do we want to say? Lazy? Stale. <laughs> Stale? Lazy? Yeah. I think they, you know what happens is, and I understand, you, when you run an expo, right, the goal mm-hmm. is to you have like three different customers. You have speakers, you have vendors, and you have the attendees of the expo. And you need to kind of please all of them, right? If there's not enough attendees, the vendors aren't happy. If there's not good vendors, the attendees aren't happy. Or the same thing with speakers, right? If there's not a good speakers lineup, then the attendees don't feel like they got the value. Uh, because the, I, th- I think the value really comes from a expo, from the speakers and sessions you have. That's where the real tangible value comes. The vendors are a bonus because they're at every show. And Um, if you go to Europe, that's how they focus it. It's all the education. They call them congresses. The educational segment is the forefront of what drives the shows. And the the show, you know, the vendors, the floor is a secondary thing. Yeah. And I think the shows that do the best job mix it up. Yeah. 
But I, I think know. the shows that do the best job really have a really heavy presence on the education, and they really get great speakers to come in, share a message, and give a lot of value. And I don't mean those speakers, and you, you and I have both seen those people. They get up, and it's a 40-minute sales pitch. Yeah. And uh, you didn't learn anything. It's just a 40-minute sales pitch about, you know, buy this, buy that, where they tease you along and give you a little, you know, give you a little hint of it. But then it's like, well, you can sign up for my program. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Those are that's bullshit. That's not what you want to do. I've never, ever, I've spoken now, what, this is like seven years I've been speaking on stages. I don't sell from the stage. I throw up my contact information. If you want to talk to me, talk to me. Reach out to yeah. me. If you I do a good job of, of yeah. teaching something, you don't need to because the people are going to follow you. And if they follow you, if they need help, they'll eventually reach out to you for what you do because you've clearly explained what you do and how you can help somebody in most of the time the people that hire you just don't want to do it themselves they, they know what to do and what they need to do they just don't want to do it or they need to have somebody help them do it oh yeah i mean it's like social media i mean you can go on and find enough youtube channel videos to actually tell you how to do it but mm -hmm. do you really want to sit there and like figure it all out or it's just sometimes just easier to hire someone else like hire your company to come in and just hey man bruce i want you guys to handle it yeah, or just join a group, right? Even if you are like maybe you don't have enough funds and you're a new business or your your business isn't, you know, you're in the early stages of growing your company and you don't have the funds uh to hire a company and you just need ideas and yeah. accountability. I think if you have ideas and accountability, you'll be fine because the number one thing when it comes to marketing is consistency. If you're consistent with it, quality will come. But if you are thinking, oh, man, this post isn't good enough, so I'm not going to post anything, it's no post is ever going to be good enough because you're never going to be consistent enough with it, regardless of the quality. So speaking of, like, you think, like, what are the biggest kind of, I would say, bad habits or the bad traits of a, or a really bad social media account? Number one, you said this consistency. Yeah, I think they're not consistent enough. I think that, yeah. in my opinion, if you, you need to post every day and – you need to not think about the quality in the beginning. You need to think about, all right, my goal is to post one thing every single day for an, you know, a 30 or 45, a 60 day period. And then at the end of that, go back and take like, just like every Sunday, you do like an accountability of your week. What went well? What didn't do well? Do the same thing with your social. All right. I posted, I stuck to one platform. I posted for 30 days, go back to those 30 posts and be like, all right, which ones performed well? And there's, you'll definitely start to see a pattern. Was it the time of day? Was it the type of post? Was it the hashtags that I used? Was it um, the lighting? You'll, you'll start to see a pattern of the post that did well. And by well, I don't mean like exploded. It could just be like it got the most engagement. It got the most likes. Um, and then do, all right, my next 30 days, I'm going to do all posts like this. And if it works like that, then you start to see what works and what doesn't. And that's how you learn. And being consistent over time, you do more of what works and less of what doesn't. Exactly. And you'll get to learn. Like as you do more, like anything, if you do anything for 30 or 60 days, by the 60th day, you're going to be much better at it than the first day. So let's let's go to – I want to I want to hash this out. And you and I go back and forth on this. Frequency, how much should you post a day? I mean, the more, the better, right? The more, the better. Yeah, 
I'm what? a big believer. Like yeah. I, I know people like, you know, oh, I posted once a day. Once a day doesn't that would be like to me telling you, like, take a big bucket of pebbles, go down the ocean, take a pebble, throw it in the ocean, and watch how big a splash you make. That's what you're doing by posting one post a day. Yeah, yeah I mean, that. yeah. If you have <laughs> I, I always say once a day is the minimum. The minimum, minimum, like yeah. bare minimum. But listen, it's once a day is better than once a week. Once, once a week, or, you might as well not even day. do it. Yeah, uh, once a week, you're dead. You know, I, I, I think it depends on what platform too, um, because they all work differently. So specifically, Instagram, you could definitely mm -hmm. post more. Uh, mm -hmm. TikTok, you can post more, but the TikTok algorithm works Doesn't. differently. So yeah, you could post work. a video today and get nothing for two or three days, and then that video could just get into take the off. for you page and take off. So it, each platform is different. So I think how much you post depends on where you are starting from and what platform you're talking about. And then you got to kind of gauge from there. Like Twitter, yeah. you can post 12 times a day on Twitter and that's just what people do. Oh my God. Well, Twitter is like so fast. I mean, yeah. you have to like jump on Twitter fast. If you're on Twitter, man, it's like constant. I've been doing a lot of tests on Instagram. Like I've, I've done tests and I think it depends on where your account is. Like oh, my really? account is pretty established and I haven't posted on my feed. I don't think I've posted on my feed in a week or two. I've been doing this test where I'm more diving into stories and I see that I've been posting more stories on Instagram in less feed. So my account isn't necessarily growing, yeah, yeah. but it's engaging with my followers that I have currently. Um, so where I am with my account is I don't necessarily need to grow more. I would like to. And obviously the goal is always growth, but I really want to engage with the current followers I have. And I've seen that the feed helps you get out to people who maybe don't know who you are, but if you really dive deep into the stories and post really engaging, good stories, you can see your engagement on that triple or quadruple over a week by doing that. And you'll see your DM start to go up. You'll see your, your links to your email list start to go up. You'll see your podcast measures start to go up because those are the people who really know who you are and you're engaging right. with them more versus trying to find new people who don't know who you are. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's all about, and I, I kind of have this rule and it's, you know, best known beats best. Yeah. hundred percent. Someone asked me and they sent me a message on Instagram. They're like, you know, I hear you talk about social media all the time and you always say, uh, you know, post and grow your following. But like, why are you growing your following? Why, why is, what's the ROI? And I said, there's no tangible ROI, but the more people who know who I am, the more people who buy from me. And that's the ROI. Like, I can't say if you post once, you're going to get seven customers. Or if no, you post four no, times, yeah, you're gonna get... right, right, right. The more people who know who you are, the more opportunities you have to sell. And then I was on another session <clears throat> that uh, you did that actually the recent um, summit, I think the restaurant summit with yeah, Dave. Yeah. And I was on with Scott Weiner from Scott's Pizza Tours, and he said, "You know, you really want local followers. You don't want to have. What's the point of having a billion followers if they're not local?" And I said, "Dude, yeah, are you that's, fucking that's serious?" Exactly. Yeah, but if you have a billion followers, you can sell them anything. I would rather have so a billion you followers. Can you can monetize that. So yeah, no yeah. Shit. You can, I have a billion you can, followers. I can monetize that sucker and I can sell. Hey, would you like to buy this pen? For right. As long as they're like legitimate people, you don't want spam accounts. But if you have a million followers on Instagram, it's not going to hurt you. You can figure out a way to sell them something. True. 
that's true. Yeah. So I think that's a huge thing to think about is like, you know, engagement and reaching more people should always be the goal. So your feed reaches more people. Your stories your is where you engage with them. Right, right. So you got to. How many stories do you recommend doing a day? I don't think there's a set number. I don't think there's a set number. I think the minimum would be six and space it out, but I don't think yeah. there's too many. If they're good, like quality over, like the stories is where the quality comes that's, into play. That's where I think that's the biggest thing is like people post all these stories, but they're, they're horrible. It's like, <laughs> I'm having lunch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I found a pebble in my salad. It's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, what are you doing, man? Yeah, I think that you need to use the tools that Instagram has inside of that too, like polls, yes or no, um, stickers, uh, ask questions, anything that you, anything that can get someone to take action inside of your stories will help reach more people versus just posting a video or posting a photo. And I've seen that when you post links, the engagement drops dramatically. Oh, does it really? When you post yes. links? So if like, you post a link to your blog post or your website – Inside of that, it'll reach like 50% of the people versus not having the link in there and like telling them to go to your bio. Yeah, I usually say, I always say go to my bio. You're better off doing that versus putting the link in there. And I know everybody has the ability to put the link, but it doesn't mean that you always should. Ah, that's good to know. That's good to know. You're getting some, uh, you're getting some hacks here from Bruce. Yeah, listen, this is just experiments. I always say I'm an experimenter. Whether the accounts we run or myself or my accounts, I just try things out. And what works or doesn't, I come and share on the podcast and That's it. on YouTube. That's what I do. If no one knows uh, Bruce, but I hope I, you know Bruce has been on my show so many times. I hope you know Bruce by now. But if you never need to reach out to Bruce, please contact Bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com. He's got the Smart Pizza Marketing podcast, too. How many subscribers do you have now? To the podcast? Yeah, quite a few, right? We get like... 5,000 listeners per episode. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So for a pizza pot, it's like 90% pizza. What, it's what's the craziest market that people like? I know when you do pod, you do your podcast stats like I can, you can see like where they where they tune in from. What's like the craziest country you thought? Like, I can't believe people are listening from there. Um, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I'd say probably like, I'm trying to think of Iceland. Iceland, yeah. I got yeah. people from. I have some clients in Iceland, actually. Do you really? Like, <laughs> I think I don't have. I, I, I think I did one time. It was a long time ago. I looked at that because you can look at the the world map and you can see how many. Yeah, you can see there. the map where they're called, where they're watching from. Yeah, I'm I really it, popular. I don't know why, but I'm really popular in in Germany. I don't know why. Really, I think my second. Yeah. So for me, it goes like U.S., Canada, uh, U.K., Australia, yeah. Thailand for some reason. Um, and then, and then it kind of like breaks up from there. I think the only place I don't have one listener is Greenland. I don't think anybody lives in Greenland. So yeah, that's probably why I don't have any listeners. It's like a big, big ass island with zero on it. When I look at the map, Greenland. Have you ever been to Greenland and Iceland? No, All I right, do so want to I, go to Iceland. I've never been there though. In the military, I will tell you right now, Greenland and Iceland. The names are deceiving. They're like opposite. <laughs> really? Greenland is not green. It's like it's like it's horrible. And Iceland. <laughs> Is like it's it's a beautiful beautiful country. Yeah, I do want to visit Iceland. It's on my bucket list. Amazing! I love going to Iceland. And I just came out with my uh, my first book. Your restaurant sucks. Just got translated into Spanish. I saw that on you shared that on Facebook. I saw that. That's congratulations. That's pretty cool. It's really cool. Do you have to? Did you have to? Because I know you have an audio book. Did you have to say the audio book in Spanish? 
didn't do the audiobook in Spanish yet. Are you gonna do it or are you gonna have someone do it? Uh, let's see how let's see how the book is received in Spanish for you know, because I didn't translate it because I don't speak my Spanish is not that good. At, yeah, I, I have like kitchen Spanish, broken kitchen Spanish. Right. Yeah, <laughs> how to like move around the kitchen. I can yell at you in, the, in Spanish in the kitchen, and I can talk really bad about your sister, which will get me. In <laughs> my translation, I had to hire someone to translate it. So I've sent it out to quite a few people to get some feedback about how's the translation quality. Now, if the translation quality comes back and they say, oh, it's really good, I like it, then I'll find a speaker and I'll have someone translate, I'll have someone do the audio book in Spanish. But there you go. Right now I'm just working on just doing just, almost the same way I did the books. I'll do the books first, see how they're received, and then I'll do the audio book. And then my third book is out there now too, is that your restaurant culture sucks. So. Yeah, I saw that one. That's probably pretty popular. That one's that one's actually been selling like crazy, and that's the third book to the Your Restaurant Sucks trilogy. I call it. <laughs> that's awesome. Done with the suck series. I'm moving on go. to a topic now. I gotta have some new stuff. I just can't keep playing this thing. So let's talk about some social media. Like, what do you think is like anything new on the horizon that you think is like going to be the up and coming thing? Uh, everyone wants to be, you know, everyone wants to be TikTok. I hear, you know. I think YouTube shorts though. Starting in yeah, February. You- is trying to right i think youtube shorts is the only one that has the ability to compete with tiktok i think if, it depends on what you're trying to do tiktok advertising is really really pretty good right it's now and it, it's you you can target you can swipe up um, there's not as many uh, holdbacks when it comes to like the privacy issue or the demographics that you're allowed to use because they <laughs> just let you talk to target they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're spending money on ads, I say TikTok. But <clears throat> if you are a creator or, you know, a lot of this content creation comes back to business owners are busy and they don't see the value in it. Right. And they want to monetize with sales, which is what we all want to do. But there's also other ways to monetize, whether that be selling stuff, merch, other things that you could do, consulting or partner with these programs for ad revenue and Starting February 1st, which was two days ago as of recording this podcast, YouTube started to allow you to monetize YouTube shorts and get ad revenue on the views of those YouTube shorts. Now, there is some criteria in order to be able to be part of the YouTube party. Number of views, right? Or followers? Yeah, for YouTube shorts, I think it's like a million views in a 90 day period and 4,000 or no, 1,000 subscribers. Uh, and if you don't like, if you already have a YouTube channel, all you need is I think it's a thousand subscribers and four thousand hours of watch time for regular long form video. So in order to do that, it doesn't take that much. But once you're in there, you can monetize your regular videos with ads. You can monetize your YouTube shorts, and you're not gonna make a million dollars, but at least it's like paying for the content creation itself if they're good. Especially where you know a lot of your listeners are restaurant owners and food videos do really well on TikTok and Instagram really reels and on YouTube shorts. So you can make additional food videos. Hint, hint. Yeah. Yeah. Show people real fast. How do. There's a guy out there on Instagram, that chef Jonathan thing. He, he does like killer videos all the time. What does he do? He does like, it's like the, the quick cuts. Like he's like, you know, doing a dish and it's like, chh, 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 chh. Oh he's yeah. Like, so like you hear, like it's like slams it on the counter and then it just comes on the counter and then bulk. And then yeah. he's throwing his stuff in the bowl and then mixing it up. And then you hear the pan sizzle. And then he, he's like making the noises. Yeah. yeah it's hilarious. Everybody has the ability to do that in their restaurant. It's just, you got to take the time in order to do it. And, you know, 
something like that, that's when you that's when you bring in the younger folks who may work for you to help you kind of edit because they know how to use the platforms. They're not really great when it comes to like what moves the needle marketing wise or what types of content you you should create to sell things. But when it comes to like editing things down and how things look when they're done and if it's going to hold people's attention, they're pretty good about helping you do that. Because they know what, what they watch. They're the ones who watch TikTok and watch YouTube shorts. So if they look at your video and they're like, that blows, I'll never watch that. You shouldn't put that out there. Don't post it. Yeah. So is that what you use your kids for? It's 100%. Like, my kids oh, help me yeah, edit videos all the time. Like I always get, I get, really? I get, yeah, because they, they're better equipped to edit videos faster than I am or a video editor who does wedding videos who may do a great wedding video. But it doesn't mean it's going to translate to a TikTok video. Right. Like, the so kids are pretty honest, too. They'll tell you, like, that part is boring. You need to cut that That's out. Boring. Cut that out. That thing sucks. Don't do that. Yeah. yeah kids so are really honest. They'll know, and they tell you. So, yeah, my kids yeah. are on there all the time, and they help me edit videos. Awesome. All right. So, let's play a little game, shall we? Let's play a we'll game. play a little game with you. Play a little game with you. We're going to call this game called In or Out. I'm going to name off some things, and I want you to just quickly say – you think they're still in, still hot, or and it's out. <laughs> okay. Ready? I'm ready. Snapchat. In. Still in? It's in depending on how you use it. Kids are definitely using Snapchat to communicate with each other. So I wouldn't, if you go to your kids, right, and they are definitely sending each other Snapchat, so it is not out yet. Okay. All right. Uh, Twitter. For a local business, I think it's out. For yeah. you and I, in. Yeah, because that's where I get, I, I get a lot of connections with media. On yeah, if you're looking to, you know, be a consultant, a coach, or a marketing company, or just, like, grow your brand as the business owner, not the business itself, I think that Twitter's a great place for that. And it, yeah, Twitter, Twitter's yeah. a great place Twitter's to, like, yeah. learn. If you're trying to build that brand and get some national recognition. Yeah. Twitter is where all the media people hang out. I, I don't think, think you're going to get a customer from Twitter to go in and see your posts. But no. definitely, like you said, um, in, in network, like where you'll, you'll be able to talk to people on Twitter that you wouldn't be able to on Instagram or TikTok. All right. LinkedIn. I, people say it's in, but I'm out on it. <laughs> you're already out? I'm out. I just, I, I only have I'm so much, I only have so much bandwidth. And yeah, yeah. where, I want to spend my time. I like, I know that if I was to dive into LinkedIn, mm -hmm. I would probably be able to make it work. But for what I want to post and who I want to talk to, LinkedIn's a big time suck. Yeah. You know what I don't like about LinkedIn is that, you know, I mean, it's, I think it's great for, for businesses, like for my business, for like consulting and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, 100%. It's great for that. But it's also a thorn in my side because everyone who connects with me is like some marketer who wants to show me how to grow my Instagram feed or wants <laughs> to show me how to get 50 more calls per day. I'm like, dude, if I could do 50 more calls a day, I would, but I can't. So right. why, 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 why are you spamming me with all this stuff? And as soon, the number one thing I hate about LinkedIn, as soon as they connect with you, you automatically get that email right away, the in-mail right away. Speaking of that, let me, I'm going to open up my LinkedIn right here. <laughs> they, send you, they send you some crap right away. I mean, they don't even... Dude, it's like it would be like going on a date and saying, "Hey, 
you want to you want to get in bed together? Can you see that? I have like seventy five yeah. messages. I haven't even opened in my inbox. Yeah, and they're all like, "Hey, let me show you how you can grow your. Hey, you want to reach out? You want to do some? You know, let me show you how to market better." You be, so, you're, you're better off sending me a smoke signal than a LinkedIn message on LinkedIn. But also, too, it's like a lot of times I want to say, "Have you read my bio?" I always <laughs> right? so I get these ones like uh, on LinkedIn. Hey, let me show you how you can grow your restaurant you know, and get more people coming to your restaurant. I said, do you understand? Did you read my bio? I don't have a restaurant. I'm a restaurant coach. I'm not a restaurant. I don't have Owner. a restaurant right now. Yeah. 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 I would say I invest in restaurants. Yeah. I'm an investor in some restaurants. I'm a pri- I'm a silent investor in the restaurants. I don't like play with them. I, they, give me, they ask me for advice. I'll give them advice if they ask me. But most of the time when I work with a, like my private group, I'm just an investor. I, don't I would like- say, I would say in order of importance, right? If you would say, Bruce, what less the order of importance for social media, if if you're a restaurant owner, I would say Instagram is number one, YouTube shorts today, TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. There you go. That's the, that's how I would spend my time. And I wouldn't do them all. I would try to be the best at one or two of them. So in or out Instagram stories, a hundred percent in hundred percent in. Yeah. I think more people should be in. So, of the three, stories, reels, or posts, rank, rank them. So posts throw right in the trash. Right. You should never do a post. Right now, if you're listening to this, the only content I would create for Instagram would be reels because mm-hmm. that's the only type of content that's going to be able to have you reach potentially more people than follow you. So that's going to grow your account. And stories is where you convert those followers into loyal customers, friends, followers, whatever it is, they're going to really, the people who view your stories and the ones that consistently view your stories, those are the ones that you can convert into customers pretty easily. All right. Uh, Facebook ads. Out. Out. I'm out on Facebook ads because I think TikTok ads are better. I think TikTok is better. You know, so if I... Well, Google ads. I think, you know, I haven't messed around too much with Google ads. I think there's a difference. When you Mm -hmm. run a Google ad... They're more intent-based searches. If someone goes to Google, they already have their mind made on something. They're just trying to find an answer to that. Uh, and I think chat GPT is going to mess with that. Um, yeah, I'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> and when it comes to social media ads, you're yeah. dumping your content in somebody's face that didn't necessarily ask for it. Right. So it depends on what you want. If there's somebody in your area who outranks you on Google and you want to top them, Google ads might be the place for that. But if you're just looking for the brand awareness and to get as many people to know who you are, then that's maybe where social media ads come into play because you're getting placed for money in people's feeds who didn't ask for that. Yeah, and that's a critical thing to, to mention to people is that I think nowadays you almost have to pay to play. If you want some awareness, you got to put a little money behind advertising. I don't think yeah. it's really much in organic anymore. Do you think there's much? Not for as many, not for, I'd say out of 100 people, two people are probably good enough to really win the organic game. Yeah. 98 others are going to have to pay for it. Yeah, but paid, paid advertising doesn't have to be super expensive too. No, you just not at all. Day. I mean, you can do a really, I, I have some awareness campaigns out there and I run seven sets of ads, right? And yeah. I put five bucks behind them each day. And every, they see, like, my market is a super targeted niche, and they'll see one ad every seven days, and then it repeats one ad every seven days. And, it's and how much are you spending really, on that? Really, five bucks a day. Yeah, so that's, like, that's that's affordable. 
it's super affordable. It, all it does is just keeps me nudged out there, you know, restaurant coach, restaurant coach, restaurant yeah. coach, restaurant coach. Because that's really what awareness is about. It's just meeting people who are who you are. Which 100%. Is. Like the more people, the Costanza method, that's what I call that, right? The more people who know exactly. who you are, the, yeah. more, the more people are going to be aware of what you do and how you do it. And it's like when they think of pizza, they think of you, or if they think of tacos, they think of you. It's just, just being around. The other alternative to that is like, I think if you don't have a lot of time to consistently create content ads is a way to do that because you can consistently be placed in front of people's feeds who wouldn't know who you are because you're not creating consistent content on the side. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. All right. And you already said TikTok ads. Definitely in. hundred percent. And I, I would, I think you have, I think you have a few months left before they start to become what Facebook ads have become now. That's you know, they're, they're pretty inexpensive. They're really good targeting, but a lot of people are becoming more aware of that. There are TikTok ads out there and they're messing around with them. How about mailers? I think mailers have their place. I don't know if I would invest a, like all my marketing dollars in that, but it, it depends on what, where your business yeah. is. Yeah, where your business is. If I'm in a big metropolitan, I got a pretty tight network or a neighborhood. I might do it there. Right? Or if you're new to the, like, if you're new to the neighborhood, Social media is a longer game. You're not going to open up and then be like, all right, I'm going to post to Instagram and everybody's going to know who you are. You may want to send out a mailer for two to three weeks to get like that Costanza method going, moving them to your social. So that way you can do both at the same time. And they're aware of who you are because you kind of bombarded them in the beginning of open. Very cool. Billboards. I mean, I mean, I don't leave my house, so I don't know the last time I looked at a billboard. <laughs> what was the last? I mean, even if you remember a billboard, dude, what was the last time a real memorable billboard? I don't. I mean, I drive a lot, and I tell you, I couldn't remember the billboards. The only billboards that I recall right now are I don't know if you've ever been in the Northeast area, like you've driven from New York, Boston yeah. to Florida. When you hit like North Carolina, there's these billboards for this place called Over the Border or On the Border, and in I think it's in Georgia or South Carolina. It's like this big, uh, big, huge thing. And like they have billboards from like 700 miles away leading up to the place, all 700 miles. Um, and that's the only the only ones I have ever remembered. I don't rem like when I'm I'm either driving and I'm paying attention to the road or you're the passenger and you're looking at your phone. That's the only time when you're a passenger. Usually I usually don't pay attention when I'm driving. I don't look at billboards, so I, I would I wouldn't waste my money on that. I think the only one that I ever really remember is like Chick-fil-A used to do some really crazy ones like, you know, cows hanging off them, like really but super expensive ones. Like maybe yeah. 3D, like things hanging off them. And I would remember those things, but I couldn't tell you what the message was. And like that's remember. even if you spend thousands of dollars on that, you, you could be so much better off creating videos that could reach far more people in a in a better way. Right. Like even if that billboard says 10,000 people drive by this billboard every day. It doesn't mean 10,000 people looked at it, but you could create one video and place it in the feed of their TikTok or Instagram account that you know they'll at least see a couple seconds of. There you go. How many miles do you usually recommend when people are doing ads? How many miles do you recommend they do it from their place? Yeah, I usually say, because I, I deal with a lot of pizza restaurants, so usually it's like four to seven miles out of their restaurant is usually like the spot where you can either That's deliver right. to them or they could come to yeah. you. There you go. It would depend on your concept too, I guess. If you didn't have or to if you're like in New York city, it may not even be a mile because seven miles is huge. Yeah. Because yeah, it's so condensed there. So it depends on really where you're located, but anywhere from one to seven miles of the max. 
All right. This is a, this one is a touchy one for me. I don't want to ask you what you feel. <laughs> car flyers. I mean, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't, on your car. I, I don't like them. I hate them. Yeah. I think oh my kind of- God, I hate that they just like, and then they like, they put them in your windshield and then if they're really small, you don't even notice till you're halfway down the road and you're like, what the hell is that? Yeah. It's like, oh my God. Car f- windshield flyers remind me of desperation. Like, I feel like whoever put that flyer in my windshield, that business is desperate for business. Or you know what it reminds me of? It's like there's a Planet Fitness I go to sometimes and there's like they have a church right around the corner. And every time I come out of Planet Fitness, there's some kind of thing in the door about, you know, getting saved. And it always has the church always has something in the door. It's just, it's just trying to it's like, what are you trying to send me a signal? You're trying to that fucking church is desperate for business. They're fucking desperate for fucking people. Yeah. They're trying yeah. to get me. But I was like, do they know something I don't know about me? I don't even talk to somebody. I think door hangers is different, right? Like door hangers is a different kind of marketing that's similar to the car flyer, but different, right? Like you're hitting people where they live versus random. You don't know where that car is from. Maybe that person lives 40 miles away and just happens to be in the I would do door hangers if I had like 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 if I had an apartment complex where I could really blast in that thing. Or like I live in an area, it's suburbs, but the houses are pretty close together. So you could hit a hundred houses in 10, 15 minutes because they're kind of close together. Right. Food trucks. I think food trucks are cool. I like them. And I think I love food trucks. And I think the 2020 taught us that you want to be able to be nimble. And there's a lot of people who are starting businesses with, you know, in my industry, which is the pizza industry. I know you're more restaurants and like all you do pizzas and everything, but I kind of just do pizza. And there's a lot of people who started businesses with like two Gosney or Uni ovens yeah. and a pop-up. And like, that's how they started their business. Then they grew to a food truck and then they turned that food truck into a brick and mortar. And it's like, it's the, it's the bootstrapping way to start a business or a restaurant without having to invest all of your money into a brick and mortar right in the beginning. And people ask me all the time, if I had to start over, how would I start? I said, I would either start with a food truck or a food hall. Yeah. And get proof of concept. And then I would expand to a brick and mortar. I wouldn't invest in doing a brick and mortar until I already had proof of concept with a food hall, with a either in a food hall or a food truck. You could make like I always think about that. Worst case scenario for me, like if smart pizza marketing fucking shits the bed, right? Nobody listens. I get canceled. Something happens, and I I can't get by yourself. I can't do anything anymore, right? I could take my two mobile ovens, get a pop up tent, get a permit. And go have a pop-up, and I know how to market yeah. to get pizza. Like, I could probably make a couple hundred dollars a day selling pizza right out of those two pop-up things with very little out-of-my-pocket cost. Yeah, it'd be super easy. And it might be fun. I might do that as an experiment. You just, you should know what? You should, you know what you should do? You should do it on the road. You should do a road trip from Boston to Florida and then do pop-ups along the way. And to just pay for and, the trip. And, and pay for the trip and, and document it, too. That'd be a good idea. I might That'd be kind that. of fun. That would be, be fun. fun. That would be kind of fun. Actually, if you do it, I'll go with you, man. <laughs> you would do it. We'll tandem up I'll together. We'll tan- I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw down some pizzas with you, man. I can, that, I can throw a milk. That would be fun. <laughs> now that you say that, that might be a good fun experiment. That'd be to do. fun. Yeah, it'd be fun. That'd be really fun to do. Yeah. All right. Uh, email. And I think email's way underrated. Way underrated. And the problem is, the problem is, though, that a lot of people don't know what to email which is a, is a big problem. And they end up emailing 
the same thing that everybody else emails and it doesn't work. And then they're like, oh, I don't like, I have, and everybody has a point of sale. So everybody, every time I talk to someone, they say, oh, I have 7,000 emails. And I'm like, all right, when's the last time you sent an email? Oh, I've never sent an email. What the hell are you gathering all these emails for? <laughs> no, I had someone the other day, like I have a client has a bagel place. And I, how many emails? I got 7,000 emails. When did you, when did you email him? Well, I haven't emailed him. What do you mean you haven't emailed him? I almost want to reach through the Zoom and like choke him out. Like, oh my God, dude, are you, you're sitting on a gold mine. It ain't Bitcoin. Like it's not going anywhere. You don't have to like, if you use them, it doesn't, they don't go away. Just keep using them. Just keep using them. So I think so what do you usually recommend? Like when people, like you said, people don't know what to email. What are some easy topics? I'd say follow up. The first thing you should do is follow up with your existing customers. Every time someone orders from you, if you really don't know what to send, you can start with follow up. Follow up for reviews, follow up for uh, how you, your order was, follow yeah. up for repeat guests. Like you could set up a sequence pretty easy to get somebody to give you feedback on how the experience was and then follow up with them to get them maybe to order where they would order once a month. If you can just bump that up to twice a month, you just doubled your revenue. Right. That's really easy way to start. And then go subscribe to some other emails. Like sometimes you got to steal from some folks. And I don't mean oh, yeah. like copy and paste, but if you know that there's a really busy shop that's near you that you like going to and they have an email list, sign up for their email and see what they're sending. Sometimes you need inspirations from other industries and other businesses to kind of give you an idea of, all right, they seem to be working pretty well. I'm going to subscribe to their email list. Let's see what they're emailing out, what their, what their cadence is, what the sequence is like, what they're putting in their email, and like kind of see if you can steal any of that for your email. I usually have like my clients, I have them set up. We do like an email template almost, like a newsletter template. It's yeah. like, and I always, they, I always have them email once a week. So the, news, the template's always like news, like whatever's happened in the news. could be whatever, like news flavor, new pizza, pizza of the week, pizza or whatever. And then we usually do a spotlight, usually a guest spotlight or a team member spotlight or a community spotlight, something that showcases that we're connected with people. That, that's our focus. And then we usually do some kind of mention about our loyalty program. Yeah. Then we usually always sell a gift card because you always sell gift cards. And then it should be your whatever your strong call to action is, whatever your primary call to action is, like order online, make reservations, you know. Yeah. I love and that's that. An easy Super. Boom, 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 boom. And then to have that thing, most of the things repeat every week. Yeah. You just kind of change out a couple a couple of spots and that's it. And if you, the more you do it, the more people will get used to, hey, that email is coming out on Thursday at one o'clock or whatever every time Thursday. it is. Well, you got to, just like you're, just like you're, mm -hmm. You gotta be consistent on it. Yeah, and there's no too many emails. You could, I could email. Them. I love unsubscribes. I'm gonna be honest with you. I love because I love that means they're never gonna buy from you anyway. Just get off my list because I pay for how many people are on my list. So if you're gonna unsubscribe because I sent you an email with words, then you're not gonna buy anything from me. So you're get off my list. Today. I don't want to pay for you. Yeah. yeah, that's the same way I feel. What's a good email provider? Do you like? You have a couple, and you mentioned on the on your podcast, right? Yeah, I used this like Aweber. Mail Mailchimp is free. You know, if you use Mailchimp and you have under a thousand subscribers, Mailchimp's free. The only thing that you can't do with it is if you have the free plan, you can't schedule out. So you have to just hit the send button yourself. But, but they have templates, which are really nice that you can you can make a template. Which is I really think cool. I Mailchimp, Mailchimp is the easiest one to start with. Yeah, definitely. If you want to get a little bit more sophisticated, like there's ConvertKit, which I use, which is a good one. Aweber, but a lot of your point of sale systems have email in there, and that's who I really think you should use. And if you have a if you have a point of sale system that doesn't have some sort of email in there, 
get a new point of sale system. Right. Because that's the easiest way to do it when it's like, all right, the customer orders online. It's already in your, yeah. Right away. It's just way easier than, you know, exporting your list, importing it to MailChimp. It's, it gets a little complicated that way. All right. Ghost kitchens. I think they're great. I love ghost kitchens. I think they're a great way to test. Not only are they a great way to test out new items, right? Like I know a lot of people who have a pizza shop and they're like, you know what? I want to sell salads. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to add salads to my menu and then three people order them. And then I'm stuck with those fucking three people ordering salads and they complain when I don't, when I take the salad off. So set up a ghost kitchen online where you have salads. It's the same thing you're going to do anyway, but you have it under a different brand. And if it does well, then you just kind of suck it into your main brand and incorporate it. If you had to pick, like, give me the top four ghost kitchen like cuisines or types of food that you think do the best. I'd say right now, pizza obviously does good. Salads, Salads chicken yeah. sandwiches is hot. Yeah. Um, burgers are yeah, hot. probably burgers. Like Mr. Beast Burger. Do you know who that is? Yeah, he's the biggest YouTuber. Barstool Sports has a, a pizza uh, ghost kitchen. I actually interviewed the company who works with Mr. Beast and Barstool uh, and uh, top creators oh to create these ghost kitchen brands and you know, if you are looking at a ghost kitchen, maybe doing something like that, like you could use the brand of Mr. Beast Burger and have it and you just cook the food for him in your kitchen and you get 40% of the revenue. That's awesome. It's a great way, especially so whenever there's a talk of recession, the number one thing I've been telling people is take a lesson from COVID is like, don't put all your eggs in one basket, have some alternative revenue streams ready. So that way, if one well dries up, you know, 100%. we're not, like, you're, not sitting, you're not sitting on the sidelines going, what the fuck? Right? Exactly. <laughs> like, I agree a hundred percent. And that's why I go back to like having a million followers, even if they're not locals is not a bad thing because I know many pizza shops who, when COVID hit and the world closed down, yeah. they started to create kits and they were sell- sending these mail kits across the country to their followers on social media and these local businesses who had 400 local followers, which was great when everything was open, when those 400 people couldn't come into their restaurant, had no way to get a message out to anybody. Yeah. And no revenue stream, nothing. They closed. Yes. All those businesses end up closing. Yeah. All right. Third party delivery. See, you, you're getting me here. I, I <laughs> like, I, I don't use it myself and I, I know why restaurants hate it, but. I know, a, I know a ton of people who have converted to third-party delivery because it's just so hard to find drivers right now because all the drivers and people are working for those third parties. Right. So I think it's I think it sucks, and I don't I would rather it not be around, but it is around, and there's not much we can do about it. So how can you leverage it for your business to make it work? Exactly. Plant-based meats. <laughs> My daughter's a vegetarian, though, by the way, so. And I know a couple of, uh, I know a couple of vegan pizzerias who are a hundred percent vegan, which is interesting. Yeah, I have quite a few of my clients are actually vegan. Yeah, so I mean, listen, there's a, obviously a market out there for it. Do I eat it? No, but just because I don't eat it, the, doesn't mean I don't think it should be around. So right. if you have a market for it and you think that there's customers asking you for it, then I don't think it's a bad thing. I tried like I think the last time I was at a pizza place, they had a bunch of like the plant-based stuff or the protein-based crust, like the chicken crust. Yeah, it's like the big things I saw. You know, people going that keto kind of lifestyle. 
healthy lifestyle is never, I don't think it's ever going to go away. They just kind of repackage it. Yeah. You know, right? Like paleo, then you go to keto. Now it's plant-based. Now, you know, it's, it just changes, it just changes shape, but yeah. And then it's going to this time of year. Everyone's always looking into getting in shape, you know, first of the year, new year's resolutions. Like vegan's not, vegan's not new. It's been around forever. It's just like, it's, it's more, forever. it gets more mainstream. Talk, talk about yeah. People just yeah. talk about it more now. Yeah, definitely. All right. How about buffets? <laughs> I don't think buffets gross me out now. <laughs> buffets gross me out. They do. I just, I, after COVID, <laughs> something, something happened in my brain where I don't like anybody touching my food or being around open containers. I went to, I went to Whole Foods the other day and they brought, they were bringing back the samples and I'm like, you couldn't pay me enough money to eat a sample out of that now. Oh, I know. You know, they've, they're, I'm not a huge fan of the buffets. Like, I go to Whole Foods a lot because I, you know, I like the ingredients there. And I, I usually like, cause the, you know, I usually get fresh seafood. I like to get some fresh seafood and cook fresh seafood for, you know, Stacy and I. Yeah. And, uh, but man, I'll, and I'll just kind of, I'm walking through, I'll swing by the hot buffet just to, to just to see what it is. It's always looks just like disgusting. Like, no, you know what cares. that, and you know what people look kind of gross. I'm not going to lie. Go to the gym. Go to the gym. And sit right outside the bathroom, not in a creepy way, but the amount of people who go to the gym and don't wash their hand don't wash their hands after is enormous. Let's reemphasize right there: if you're gonna stalk people at the bathroom of the gym, don't do it in a creepy way. We just said that. Like, yeah, don't, don't, do don't, sit, don't don't sit inside the bathroom staring at people yeah. like intensely. Do it outside in like a, in a incognito way. Yeah. It, 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 it. <laughs> All right. How about those one restaurants, the those theme restaurants, and you've heard the name restaurants, you know, like Hooters, uh, you know, uh, Twin Peaks, Tilted Kill. What do you think of those places? See, I don't. I have three daughters, and I won't go to those places because I can only imagine. Like, I want to res. And listen, I know that the people who work there choose to work there; they're not forced to yeah. work there. So, um, but I wouldn't want my daughters to work in a place like that. So I just don't. Go to places. I, like I see them on a decline. I think they're kind of on the way out. I well, think didn't Hooters just close? Didn't didn't Hooters go out of business? I think they did actually. I think they either went out of a business or they rebranding. Now, you know, a lot of them rebranded and like it's, it's sold out and stuff like that. I just, I think it's a, it's such a outdated concept. I think, especially as we move more towards, you know, Me Too movement. Yeah, and kind of just you know diversity in our in our society and stuff like that. We just want to kind of like get away from some of the stuff. I number one thing is I number the food is horrible. <laughs> you know, yeah. nobody it's goes horrible. there for the food though, right? Nobody goes there for the food. But I was just like, yeah. But then it's like I was like you though. Like my daughter's like twenty six, tw- almost twenty seven. And then it's like if I go there, I, I just can't. It just no. like makes me feel like a creepy old man, and I don't. How want- can I come home and look my daughters in the face? I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy sitting there going. No, no. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I was Chris Rock's was Chris Rock's joke. He always says your only job as a daddy to keep you as a dad is to keep your daughter off the pole. You know, <laughs> <laughs> don't make her a stripper. That's right. That's your job right. as a dad. Just keep her. All right. Clubhouse. I mean, I, I, I deleted the app off my phone a long time ago. <laughs> well, now, now Twitter wants to do audio rooms, right? I think that you're better off doing audio rooms on Twitter because at least there's people. I better do it on Twitter myself because I'm on Twitter. Clubhouse, it just seems like it's and there's and you, you and I both know quite a few people still do Clubhouse quite a bit. 
Sean Sean Walshef, who we both know. I always every time he says join me on Clubhouse, I'm like, what for? Like, dude, let's do Twitter. We had a discussion on Twitter about this. He says, what for? Why don't you just do it on Twitter? And I'm like, I'm in. And he's like, yeah, yeah. let's do it. But no one ever got back to anybody. I just don't have the app on my phone. It's like that was a that was a company that very much was a a, a COVID company COVID where thing. COVID happened. Nobody could leave. Everybody who wanted to talk to people, it just happened at the right time where they came out with Clubhouse and everybody couldn't go anywhere and they wanted to communicate and it just was like a the right place at the right time. And now that it's over, it's over. Done. Clubhouse is dead. Yeah, there's no reason for it. No reason for it. All right, and then as a matter of fact, if you ask me to do a clubhouse, I'm unfriending you everywhere. <laughs> All right, note to self: never, <laughs> ask, never ask Bruce to do clubhouse. Never ask Bruce right there. I'm writing this down so I don't forget. <laughs> and then the last one, <laughs> last one, Detroit style pizza. I love it. So it's still in. It's. It, I mean, listen, it's 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 not as in as it was a year ago, but it's still delicious. What do you think is the next pizza? So, like, I always like. There's always like new pizza styles. What's the next pizza style is going to be out there? What, do you, what think, is your prediction? You look into your crystal ball right now, and Bruce says the next upcoming pizza style will be. I, I think we're styled out. I think we've we absorbed all the styles of pizza that you could possibly have. I think now it's going to be all right. Let's not try to recreate a style. Let's try to perfect what we do and make it really, really good. Because I think there's there's a lot of different like my New York style is always going to be my favorite. I like New York style, yeah, uh, because I can eat. You can eat it often, and Detroit style tastes great, but you can't eat it every day. It's not. It's too much cheese. It's not like the healthiest pizza in the world. Um, But New York style to me is always going to be the classic. It's always going to be like if you can do a really good New York style pizza, I trust you to make me any kind of pizza. Really. Oh, that's the that's the litmus test right there. Yeah, because if you fuck that up, it's three ingredients. It's dough, sauce, and cheese. You can't do that. This I'm certainly not letting you make me anything else. <laughs> you're you're out. Yeah. Okay, you're on, I'm not you're on the clubhouse list. That's it. So is that gonna be like when your daughters start dating? Is that gonna be like the rule? Like the guy's gonna have to come in and make a pizza? That should be your like your 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 kind of like application. Like you gotta make me a pizza. If I like the pizza, you can go with my daughter. If not, get get out. Get the fuck out before I kill you. I don't want to make it that easy. You don't want to make it that easy? I don't. Yeah. Like, I don't want, I don't think I'm going to invite him in my house at all. You're not going to invite him in your house at all. You're not allowed in my house so you guys get engaged. Like, when you guys get engaged, then you can come in my house. I don't want to oh, meet your you. daughter. She's 21. 21. See? She's dating. You know what it is? I have like nieces that are older. So, all my nieces between the ages of 29 and 22 right and they all had boyfriends and i i i get exhausted trying to get to know all these new people i was like come on i don't want to know anybody i don't want to i don't want to meet anybody of your boyfriends until like it's you're gonna get married when you're gonna get married then bring them over my house and i'll get to know them you know then then in the circle of trust yeah like i get to know them i like them you break up and then i was like i got these stupid pictures on my phone of all of us together and he's not even part of the equation anymore He's texting me because yeah. he's upset. It's, like, it's embarrassing. I don't, I don't want to deal do. with that. I don't know what to do. The guy's texting me. Like your old yeah. boyfriend's texting me. He wants to know if I can help him out, get back together with you. I'm like, I'm lost. Dude. I, don't know <laughs> I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. I'm, I'm out. I would say I, I was out too. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. 
Bruce, always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. It's always you so need to contact Bruce. Always get a hold of him at smartpizzamarketing.com. You also you have another podcast too, don't you? Yeah, but I kind of I kind of archived it for now. I'm too busy with the smart pizza marketing. So That's, know, you, I love that one. That's a great one. If you want to, uh, sometimes I'll throw what I would throw on the podcast over on my YouTube channel, Smart Pizza Marketing. So go follow that and you can kind of find extra content about marketing there too. So follow follow Bruce on YouTube channel. Yeah. Follow him on follow his podcast. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, it's Smart Pizza Marketing. It's everywhere. That's right. It's a global sensation. <laughs> Thank you, Donald. This is always fun coming on and hanging with you. Always great talking to you, my friend. If you have any questions, please, you can always reach out to Bruce, smartpizzamarketing.com. If you need to get a hold of me, you can always reach me at therestaurantcoach.com. If you want to send me an email, you can always reach me at donald at therestaurantcoach.com. We try to make it easy for us to get a hold of people around here. And until then, everyone have a fantastic day. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Coach Podcast with Donald Burns. Tune in next time as we serve up more ways to maximize your potential. Visit our website at www.therestaurantcoach.com or download episodes at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify.